Fukushima's final price tag will be $2 billion per each reactor on Earth. Total economic cost of the disaster will likely rise to a trillion U.S. dollars. Welcome to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic podcast associated with the medium publication of the same name. We explore the future with a recurring focus on climate change, technologies which are transforming our world, and a side helping of politics and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. Official statements on the costs of the Fukushima nuclear reactor don't capture all of the costs. When a full accounting is done, the total cost will be closer to a trillion US dollars than not. That's two billion US dollars for each of the roughly 500 nuclear reactors operating on Earth today. Let's start with principal accountability. Yes, if the tsunami had not occurred, the Fukushima reactor would not have had a problem, but that's facile. If a wind or solar farm had been where the reactor is, it would have been destroyed and the loss would have been much less in comparison. It's also important to point out that the earthquake and tsunami killed thousands directly, and slightly fewer indirectly. The reactor meltdown is expected to statistically shorten the lives of a few people. This isn't a cost comparison of lethality, or diminishment of the lethality of the earthquake and tsunami. However, it's important to understand that the nuclear generator is core to a series of follow-on costs. First, there's the basic cost cleanup of the reactor site itself. I quote, Completely cleaning up and taking apart the plant could take a generation or more and comes with a hefty price tag. In 2016, the government increased its cost estimate to about $75.7 billion, part of the overall Fukushima disaster price tag of $202.5 billion. The Japan Center for Economic Research, a private think tank, said the cleanup costs could mount to some $470 billion to $660 billion, however. TEPCO indicates that it will take 30 to 40 years. That's three to four decades of expensive management, execution, and governance. The solutions to the problems have been intractable so far. The site is small. If it had, there had been anything other than a nuclear reactor on it, the costs would have been orders of magnitude smaller. Site cleanup costs over three to four decades of this magnitude are localized, while the earthquake and tsunami were much less localized. It's important to note that the nuclear technology was comparatively ancient and had insufficient passive safety features, and that it was built in an area known to be inundated with tsunamis. If it had been located uphill a bit, most of these costs wouldn't exist. If the flood management system had been designed with a tsunami in mind, most of these issues would have been avoided. But the reactor was sited poorly and protected poorly from understood risks. These are nuclear generation industry issues, not tsunami issues. My experience includes billion-dollar multi-year programs in various parts of the world. They never get cheaper or shorter unless requirements fundamentally change. They usually get more expensive and longer. My my gut tends to support the Japanese uh, economic organization's numbers, are more likely higher in the range. Let's call that $600 billion for now. And remember, this is just the cleanup of the reactor site, nothing else. The next lever to question is exports. I've tended to lump, 
to lump the Japanese automotive industry's post-Fukushima challenges in with the reactor than the, rather than the earthquake and tsunami. In researching of course, this answer, of course, the re reality is more nuanced than either or. Um, a graph of Honda Group's automotive exports indicates there's a very clear signal that something related to Fukushima caused a significant drop in exports after the disaster. However, the story is different from the entire auto industry's perspective. 2012 as a year was up appreciably in terms of exports, but then it dropped overall again in 2013 and 2014, even as Honda continued to, to, continued to increase. What was going on? There were two separate things happening. The first was disrupt, direct disruption of automotive manufacturing and distribution facilities by the earthquake and tsunami. That was a big impact and relatively quickly improved. Toyota was hit hard. For example, I quote, Toyota hasn't been immune to the after effects of the natural disaster that hit Japan in March. Toyota and its affiliates have three factors in the Tohoku region a center for automaking in Japan that suffered greatly because of the tsunami. According to Japan's cabinet office figures, the Tohoku region accounts for about 8% of the country's GDP. But then we get to the radioactive car concern. Cars Guide headline, radiation concern bars Japanese car shipment. Consumer Report headline, Mythbuster, can cars imported from Japan be radioactive? NBC headline, Radioactive used cars being sold in Japan. Auto Week headline. Radioactive cars from Japan keep turning up in Central Asia. This is the mostly irrational part of the equation. The cars in question were too far from Fukushima to have been irradiated and were so lightly radio radioactive that flying in a passenger jet is worse. But still, people are weird about radiation after years of Hollywood and, ironically, Japanese movies demonizing radiation. The combination has had a toll on Japanese automotive and other exports. Barring Fukushima's impacts, one would assume a return to pre-2008 fiscal meltdown exports by now, but basically they're static. That's in the range of 200 billion loss in lost exports just for the automotive industry. It's likely fair to attribute 20 to 50 billion of that to irrational fear of radiation. And once again, that's solely due to the nuclear plant's technology, siting, and safety systems. Not the tsunami itself. No nuclear plant, no fear of radiation. So we're up to perhaps 650 billion. What else? Well, now we have the nuclear exclusion zone. It's about 30 kilometers long by 55 kilometers wide for roughly a total of about 150 square kilometers. This was an economically productive region. It included in the, included in the zone were a million people. Its industries included information and telecommunications, electronic parts, electrical machinery, chemicals and beverages, as well as agriculture. In Japan, these are high-value industries. I quote, Fukushima Prefecture produce became undesirable in and outside of Japan, even when much of it was actually safe, as radiation levels vary according to areas and products. Yeah, Back to that irrational fear of radiation. About 100,000 people are still not able to return home of the, of the million impacted. And the exclusion zone has a decades-long lifespan. If we take Japan's GDP and divide it by square kilometers, we see that it's about 13,000 per year per square kilometer. Uh, 
We can adjust that upward quite a bit because this region was obviously not in an unpopulated mountainous or island region, but in a highly productive, industrialized, and intensely used industrial land. It's probably closer to $13 million per square kilometers. 150 square kilometers over 30 years makes that another $60 billion in economic potential losses as well. No nuclear plant, no exclusion zone. And that puts us around $710 billion. Next, let's look at the electrical generation situation. Um, at, prior to the Fukushima disaster, about 30% of Japan's electricity came from nuclear power plants. There's an obvious line that plunges to zero on charts of generation uh, at the time, and that's nuclear generation. The Japanese government made the call to shut off all nuclear generation until they'd been vetted for safety. Overreaction? Not according to the economic workup so far, regardless of anything else. But that had direct and indirect costs too. The first is that as nuclear plunged, coal and gas jumped. Japan doesn't have fossil fuel reserves of its own, but must import them. Gas generation jumped from about 210. 280 terawatt hours to year, to, per year to almost 400 terawatt hours of generation per year, a leap of about 43%. Coal jumped from 280 terawatt hours to 340 watt terawatt hours, a pop of roughly 21%. Here's the thing about those jumps. Coal and gas are commodities that have decade-long markets in some cases. If you want a lot more on short notice, you pay through the nose. Eventually, that stabilizes and prices optimize again, but the 43% extra gas was probably a 100% cost increase, and the 21% extra coal is probably a 50% cost increase. Um, looking at the Lazard uh, levelized cost of electricity chart from November 2019, um, we can see some interesting stuff. Uh, gas generation is about $44 to $68 per megawatt hour. Coal is 66 to $152 per megawatt hour. A bunch of that is the price of the fuel. They would have already been in the top 50% of those ranges due to the lack of in-nation reserves, but they probably would have been out of those ranges afterwards. And given the expectation of the return of nuclear, they would have been paying premium prices for fuel the entire time. What does the math suggest? pre-Fukushima, let's call it 60 for gas and $90 for coal, because a lot of those costs are fuel. Nuclear was operational, not new, and built when it was cheap due to ignorance and pessimism. It was probably cost $70 for the nuclear per megawatt hour. Post-Fukushima, gas at $68 or $70 an hour or per megawatt hour, and coal at $143 to $150 per megawatt hour, easily due to premium fuel pricing. At a 75% averaging factors over the likely 20 years it will take to replace the nuclear with restarted nuclear, wind, and solar, it's about $100 billion in extra fuel costs, all due to the nuclear part of the Fukushima disaster. That puts us around $810 billion. And then there are the negative externalities of coal and gas. I'm going to quote a Union of Concerned Scientists of the United States report. A 2013 study also assessed the economic impacts of fossil fuel use, including illnesses, premature mortality, workdays lost, and direct costs to the healthcare system associated with the emissions of particulates, nitrous oxides, and sulfur dioxide. 
This study found an average economic cost or public health added cost of 32 cents per kilowatt hour for coal, 13 cents per kilowatt hour for oil, and 2 cents per kilowatt hour for natural gas. Doing some math, that's another 22 billion for unexpected health costs due to burning extra fossil fuels. That brings us to about 830, 833 billion. But it's tricky. Is this an extra cost now or an avoided cost earlier? And as weird as it sounds, $22 billion is relatively immaterial in this workup. So there we are. There's a reasonable case for an identifiable $800 billion plus in costs for the nuclear portion of the Fukushima disaster. It's not hard to see that a 40-year recovery period, along with costs excluded from this analysis, would add 25% to that without breaking a sweat. That's why I say that when all the costs of Fukushima are added in, it's easy to see that it'll be close to a trillion US dollars. Feel free to quibble, but realize that in quibbling, you might get the number down to half a trillion dollars if you're persistent and generous. I, I hope this helps answer the question of whether the major costs of the Fukushima disaster outside of human lives are heavily skewed by the nuclear reactor's presence, and that without it, the costs would have been much, much lower. You have been listening to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic view of climate change, transformative technologies, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. These podcasts are available from the medium publication of the same name, Anchor FM, and other podcast sites. Let us know that you are enjoying us via Claps and Medium, and tell us what you'd like us to cover next.